I've been reading all of the uh, Amazon reInvent news, and it occurred to me that I should start calling myself a strategist. Have you have y'all oh, yeah. have y'all noticed this? I've seen it all came together like you know the uh, like you know fifteen minutes before the the mystery movie ends, and you got all the montage of things you added up. I've seen all these people who have the word strategist or strategy in their title. And I think yeah. they're just uh, business avocados or business advocates. They don't they don't like write code. They just talk about like strategy. I had always assumed that they like worked on strategy, which maybe they do, but I don't I don't yeah. know. I think I think they yeah, just they're like the the strategy spokesperson. Well, because you know you've got developer relations, right? Yeah. But it's not developers. You know, this is mm. like CTO relations, and you know, uh, you know, CIO. Yeah, so- which wow. strategists are we talking about here? Well, I was Which reading. Are, I was reading uh, the uh, the blog post about the AWS Outpost, which I've, yes. I have some questions there. And if you scroll to the bottom, it's like the EMEA strategist and evangelist. Oh, oh. and I had never seen those two words uh, next to each other. And then so the wheel started going in my own outpost in my mind, and I was thinking like, oh, I wonder if this person is like a field facing person who like you know kind of explains what's going on and then brings that knowledge occasionally back to uh to you know downtown uh yeah. and uh and sort of like in the same way that you know a, a developer advocate advocates for the developers the the strategist is like i don't know i think in EMEA they've got problems with data sovereignty maybe we should do something <laughs> about that right <laughs> But is this yeah, the well, new evangelist? Is this like that? You just have two business cards. You have you have the evangelist card when you like speak at a, like a conference. Oh yeah. There then you, you switch, and then you take a strategist card when you're like it, in a, a client briefing. You're like, here, I'm, I'm here to help you with your strategy. That sounds yeah. very consultative. It, it, yeah. Isn't that the, the the field CTO? You know, you, you need to have a, a a CTO kind of title, oh, so you have you know some some gravitas. Oh, the you, field but, CTO. Uh, I you know yeah. I'm, I've got a I've got a meeting in a few weeks to figure out what that is. I've I've uh, <laughs> I've, I've I've queued up. I've asked some people, and um, I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little worried because I asked them, uh, you know, in a text format, and they were like, "Oh boy, we better talk about that." So yeah, this is a bourbon form. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, when you get that kind of reply to any question, you're like, oh, boy, I'm I'm going to call him sick that day. <laughs> uh, you can only avoid it for so long, though. I yeah, mean, I, I think I think I think, look, look, people people need to have career tracks. Right. Uh, you know, you got to have like, you know, you're doing a really good job. You don't want to manage people. You're not going to become a vice president or whatever. Like you can't have a vice president of PowerPoint. I mean, in, in a serious <laughs> way. And so, like, oh, <laughs> you're like, slow down, slow down. I think you're destroying no, wait, wait, the whole they, industrial complex. I mean, didn't we have a VP of getting it on at one point? Oh yes, we. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was before before 2008. Things have gotten serious yeah. after that. GDPR or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, GDPR for your GDP. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you got you got all the you got the with this this top cream of your uh, your field salespeople, and I think you know you get you got to come up with names for them. And uh, field CTO, that's that's pretty cool. That's kind of is that like a that's like a field marshal or something. <laughs> so I think I think it works. You know, but the problem is though, like, and and a, and a larger company, you know, like like you know, say a Pivotal or you know a Red Hat or somebody with you know lots of VPs and directors and all that. It's like CTO sounds like it should be, you know, 
one. There should be one. Yeah. You know, you don't have a vice president CTO. And then I was like, well, why, what are all these field CTOs running around? What is their job, right? Who do they report to? What's wrong with this org chart, right? Yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's do a little, as they say, workshopping right here, Matt Ray. What, what should these people be called? Oh. Um, let's see. I, I, at one point, I had the title uh, Senior Evangelist. And mm-hmm. that seemed to play well with some some organizations, you know, like three three letter companies, where they're like, "Oh, senior evangelist, you know, let's let's, you know, fat, you, you know, you you don't need to talk to those people. Let's you know move you up the org chart and who you get to meet with first. And uh, that that title worked well. Uh, field CTO, I'm sure that's going to work well, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things you have to kind of sort it out internally. Is like, well, is this like a real CTO or is this you know just a you know mm. the uh, the developer evangelist, but you know they're talking to not developers. Yeah, my my theory my theory is based on experience, and and who knows? I mean, as with all these titles, like it's specific to the job and whatever. So just to abstract it a little bit, like I think I think so. You Matt Ray are like a sales engineer manager or something, right? Uh, you, I, now I'm doing post sales. Po- whoa. Yeah, so now- this is a whole yeah. other taxonomy, but at some point you were in charge of like a region and maybe even had like people who worked for you, right? I was responsible for helping hire people. There you go. See, so, yeah. see, you were in a managerial position. Now, previously you were doing like partnery stuff. You had people who yeah. worked for you, like no SSHJJ, yeah. right? So you're yeah. like, you're like a manager right now. I was. A yeah. manager is a classic way to advance your career. Some would say yeah. the only way. Right, like to to answer your career now. In the field, you're either like a uh, a sales rep. You got a sales engineer. You can call a sales engineer all sorts of things. We call yep. them platform architects. Makes for a fun we call name. Solutions architects. P A S A, whatever A you yep. want. And uh, but then it's sort of like the only way up is to be a manager, right? A sales manager. Now the problem with being a sales manager is you're managing a bunch of uh, reps instead of going out there getting that money. Right. And, yep. and I'm sure, you know, I think my my impression, I have not studied this, is that there is a um, a trough of not making as much money as your employees as a manager in sales that you have to jump over. And at some point, hopefully you get over that trough. I don't know. Uh, but what, what I'm imagining is that a field CTO is kind of like you're a really good sales engineer who needs to like not manage people you don't want to be management but you want to like go on this other track and the company is like hey you're really good at this and we're not like rewarding you for this it's just like you can kind of operate on your own kind of on a global basis and you go out there and you're a little bit salesy and you're a little bit technical and you kind of like can fill in these things in a uh, sort of sales oriented way Uh, and i think i think in contrast you look at someone like me uh, and the other people who are in the, as we say nowadays, advocate role. And, you know, we help salespeople out, but it's not like, uh, I don't know, it's not as strong a connection. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe it is at other places, but it seems like part of the reputational laundering and laundering is the wrong word because that's that has some nefarious the, the the reputational keeping it clean and tidy. That's what I mean. Yes. It like it means that you don't want to incent your advocate people kind of in a sales way because then they'll become slimy. And then that's the whole like 
like deal with them, right? Is that they, of course, want you they, to like buy their products, but they're they're not going to like work on you about it. They, they have a open. veneer of of objectivity, right? Yes. You know, like what do, you really should use this software. I don't get comped if if you, the customer, use it, but you should use this software. Yeah. Pans can't say, talk. That's a good place to like unwind it. Like I think you know because it is interesting to see like the inside out thinking of most companies, right? Because like the field is really an internal thing, right? Mm. Like you know, nobody thinks of themselves as like being the field. Like you know, it's like I'm not. That's the company saying you're in the field selling our software. So it, th- it does seem like if you just went with like the most simple descriptive naming approach which isn't necessarily fun but like i would say the field cto put in, in the other way take the outside in it would be customer architect right oh. that's my job my job oh, is that's... to come to you and i know there are like solutions architects things like that but that's really <laughs> what's happening that way you don't have to explain to them like well what's the field because if i you know no one nobody the customer doesn't identify themselves like i'm the field come cto me it's like no no i'm here to buy your stuff <laughs> now please assist me in a technical yeah. nature and explain to me kind of all the moving parts and how i get this thing going so well, uh, and, and that's I, yeah that's my current role is, yeah, is I've, so. I, I've changed titles from, you know, solution architect to customer architect and, you know, regional manager, but I'm not. But I, you see anybody. how this I was going to say, it seems like you see how this happens, though. But inside the company, they think of the field, they think of their own advancement. And then being a CTO is somehow that that title is more interesting yeah. internally than it is externally. So, uh, you know, what we discovered, you, what we discovered is that Matt Ray is, is the field right CTO. <laughs> That's right. No, but I do think coming to the strategist, and maybe this gives us a way to talk about uh, some of the news this week. It's like I was in watching uh, the Jassy Andy uh, Jassy's uh, uh, keynote. It, it came to me to mind. It's like his level of knowledge. Like, how would we describe his level of knowledge of AWS? Because I think it's extremely comprehensive. He really seems to know a lot about all aspects of AWS. But of course, there's no way he is like hands-on keyboard deploying and you know using all this stuff, mm. right? So back to your question about strategists, it's like, but he is, he to me, you know, just I guess everyone can make their own judgment, watch the keynote. He comes across as like one of the more knowledgeable, I mean, CEOs, I guess, uh, of a product line that's very, very technical that I've seen. So I'm I'm impressed by that. Um, but I also at the same time think to myself, he must have people, he must obviously just do a lot of reading, but then also he must have people yeah. briefing him all the time about like like when he, like artificial intelligence and machine learning. I don't think he's building a lot of the actual models, but it, clearly someone's telling him, explaining to him in detail, and he's getting at how it works. So this is maybe back to your question. Um, do you, is that like, you know, is that a strategist? Like having those kind of people in your company mm-hmm. that are sort of just absorbing all of this information but not doing it all the time, um, you know, Isn't it feels that, like it's yeah, useful. Go ahead. Office of the CTO, right? It's kind of hand-wavy nebulous. You know, what do those people do? All right? They're oh. building that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true developer. <laughs> Well, but I think this is an interesting thing between uh, like developer evangelist, like maybe your role, Matt, customer architect, right? And then because I, I my kind of feeling is that even if you're like a dev evangelist, like say AWS, like and we're going to go through some of these announcements, like just given how much it is, there's no way you can be deep in all these areas. So, right. So on one hand, it's like you are going to have some specialization in developer relations so people can get deep enough that they can really, really, you know, code it up, you know, answer all the questions. 
But at the same time, you need this other position where like you're really designating them to go wide, right? And maybe they're not coding up everything. They're just, you know, they they're good enough to know everything and explain it. And then they're that they bring in the other level. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, to your original question, Cote, it's like that is a role when you get to like something as big as AWS or any big technical platform that I guess strategist, right? Is like for lack of a better word, that seems to be yeah. what it becomes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think your idea, customer architect, and the, and then your uh, your example of like AWS makes sense, right? It's just like and this is what I have seen people in this role do is they just sort of, uh, I don't know, as you say, know everything. <laughs> and and I think I think there's they're, they're, they're both pre and post sales in the sense of like having someone explain stuff and, and uh, do some consultative stuff of like how this would fit in with what uh, what you have and what your needs are. And then uh, I'm at, I, I think there's also like some uh, post sales that happens. And, and you know, when you're a, a, a software vendor, uh, you're in this difficult position of like, uh, I want to sell you something. And then like you haven't really paid me enough money to make sure it actually works unless you've paid me that money. <laughs> right. Like it's sort of like there's more stuff you usually need to buy, like when you buy enterprise software to actually make it work. And you might go to a system integrator or or might get some uh, training or services from the vendor you yeah. bought it from but it's onboarding it's, package there you yeah. go. it's it's hard to find that sort of um you know uh post sales sherpa person i don't know just because it's not like a yeah. it it doesn't really fit into the scheme of things so oftentimes you know that 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 shit doesn't work so in uh, enterprise sales you need you need people if not you need a person, if not people, who fill that role. And, you know, you'll hear like, oh, you know, at the at the Exxon account, we got a team of like 80 people who work on that. Right, right. I guess, I guess they're being taken care of, but uh, you also need something that scales down to like not not Exxon. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's essentially what my current role is, is, you know, post-sales support for flagship accounts. Flagship accounts. Right? Yeah. Well... You know, accounts above a certain size or have you know upside of a certain amount, uh-huh, uh-huh. and and yeah, where do you cut them off is is a is a fun conversation. You know, uh, yeah. how much effort do you give them? You know, who gets the support, who doesn't? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, everybody needs to have that though. I mean, because because when you move into a model of you know subscription software, which pretty much everyone's moving towards, is like if you don't help people out. The software doesn't get used; they don't renew. I mean, it's it's pretty fundamental for today's enterprise software. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of things that are fundamental, you got you <laughs> got to you got to keep track of what's happening out there, what's going on, and uh, you know, there's a big portfolio of stuff at AWS. But I think I think this week our sponsor also has a big portfolio of things to help you monitor what's going on. Is there one of you want to tell them about it, the listeners? Uh, I do. I do. So this week's episode is sponsored by SolarWinds. And this week, SolarWinds would like for you to know about their tools designed for, for DevOps, Pingdom, AppOptics, PaperTrail, and Logly. Uh, today's recognized pillars of observability combine metrics, traces, and logs to enable DevOps teams to monitor system and application performance. But these capabilities provide only limited insights into application performance because they ignore the user's experience, a critical measure of application performance. Understanding if a system's slow or unavailable from an end user's perspective is crucial in today's digital world, even if the metrics are good and there are no alerts. 
Altogether, the combined functionality of Pingdom, App Optics, Paper Trail, and Logly bring together real user monitoring, synthetic user monitoring, web and application performance metrics, distributed tracing, event aggregation, and log management to help proactively identify bottlenecks and accelerate troubleshooting. By bringing user experience metrics, traces, and logs together with an easy-to-use complementary toolkit, DevOps teams gain unmatched visibility into their cloud environment so they can seamlessly follow an alert or issue from one product into another to resolve issues quickly and get back to focusing on the more proactive elements of their job. Over 275,000 customers worldwide and 499 of the Fortune 500 trust and rely on SolarWinds. They've still got that one holdout. Uh, to learn more or try the their DevOps products for free, visit solarwinds.com slash DevOps. You know, I forget what Brandon and I promised last time, but if you you listeners can figure out who that, that Fortune... Some barbecue, right? That, oh, yeah, that's right. That Fortune 500 customer is, we'll, uh, that's right. We'll ship you a brisket if you can <laughs> convert right. them over. You might need it's, to do a little customer architecting, but just you just get get a hot lead. And, isn't uh, it probably just like competition or something? Like, you know... No. Oh, yeah, we'll never who, know. Who would be a Fortune 500 that would be, hmm, hmm, good question. It doesn't matter. They need to buy two Long. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hmm. Well, you know, you could get a hot brisket. I think it'll still be hot when it arrives. We can overnight it. <laughs> or we can pay for overnighting. Well, well, as uh, as as mentioned, it's, uh, it's Amazon reInvent. Now, Brandon, I have been watching your detailed analysis of the music uh, occurring. <laughs> And and other things. Go give give us kick us off there. What uh, what's been going well, on there I in mean, the desert? There was a lot of questions about. It. I mean, there's various predictions about reinvent, but I think the 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 thing that most people are waiting for, like myself, was would the uh, house band rein, house reinvent band be back after last year? So remember last year, it was they were like had a band that would cover different songs that were basically modeled around the themes of it and it was it was kind of this awkward you know always this awkward transition because they would play all these mostly classic rock songs so in case you did not see the keynote fear not the house band the reinvent band is back they, they same format they did uh you know the five different songs i can't remember them all uh but for mapping to the five different themes and uh i i want to say it was uh it was as awkward as as it was last year and then um within the slack i'll just say within the, the slacks that i'm in and other people were in where everyone was reporting back that uh that collectively everyone thought the band was ridiculous again for the second <laughs> in a row so i mean i but, but, it's, but uh, someone pointed out that band is playing in front of 150,000 people. Yeah, no, that band is. And well, they covered the one, the songs <laughs> it's that like they Wimbledon did. Stadium. Um, it was, it was, they covered, it was a Beatles song. I mean, they did a Beatles song, an Elvis song, and um, a couple. Of, and I was like, I really felt like, man, this is, this is not playing to the millennial demographic. I was like, I don't think any of the millennials like know mm. who this music is at all. So, so that made it sound weird. And then, uh, but I did, it kind of came back to like, the reason I was like, I was like, why are they doing this? Like, what is going on here? And this is what I came up with. Like, I watched uh, the whole Jassy keynote, and I actually watched him talk on the Partner Summit, which he did a little, came out and did Whoa, a little you went uh, deep. conversation I interview yeah. the night before. And it's like, one of the things you get, having spent now, I feel like I spent three hours with him, is that he is essentially a, a, just a monologuer, right? Like, you just ask him a question, like, hey, Andy, anything coming up in the announcements? And he can just talk. <laughs> 
for I mean, he would be a great podcaster. He he could just talk for almost an hour straight without any breaks. And so when you watch the Jassy keynote, most of the keynotes that I'm just generally broad speaking here is that you have like the CEO kind of being a little bit of like the hype man and introductions. Right. And it's like, let me introduce like Apple. Tim Cook is like, let me introduce so and so to talk about the iPhone or so. And then and you see this in a lot of I think Google did something very similar. Let me have so and so come talk about Kubernetes. But Jassy is pretty much on stage as the only representative for AWS for almost two and a half hours. So I think when what they someone figured out is like they need a transition. So what he does is he like stops, explains the theme, he throws it to the band, right? And the band plays the thing, and then it comes back to him, right? And he's like, thanks. And then he just uses that as his transition. Whereas most other places it would be like a natural transition of a CEO, a song, mm. an introduction, and then a song. So that's how I figured out somebody maybe just said, Hey, listen, if we don't have the band here, Jassy may talk nonstop. <laughs> For three hours. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? Every 30 minutes to 30 to 45 minutes, we're going to throw a customer out, which is always, it's great to see the customer testimonials. But like, you are drinking from the fire home from Jassy's fire hose, right? And then somebody yeah. comes up from Formula One and it's just like, what are they talking about? Like, you know, you're like so clued in, to like just, just understanding what he's talking about. And then he's talking about racing cars and telling some stories. You're like, no, no, my mind's not good for that now. My mind is just an open, you know, funnel. Um, and then because right. that's always funny too. But so, so that was my theory was like the, the musical breaks are the only chance any of us get a chance to either go to the bathroom or just absorb what this man has been saying for 45 minutes. I see. So you got the, you got the, you got the jassy, as you say, talking. And then a little, and then he walks off. There's some music. F1 person comes up, music, and then and then and then your jassy guy's back on talking about right. But things. sometimes no, but sometimes he'll just stop. Like he'll get to kind of the end of a conclusion of like a thing, and he'll just he's stop. he's still on stage. He stops. Yeah, he's still on stage, and then he'll say like, you know, guys, the next <laughs> thing goes, that <gasps> yeah, and then he'll he will like it's like. You're like you've just gone through all the database stuff, right? Like you're like, I mean, you've gone through everything. Aurora, uh-huh. he's taking shots at Oracle. You're trying to read the blogs, and then he'll pause, right? And then this is where like the only point I think he's really scripted is then he has to then tie it back to like one of the five themes he identified. Like we want it all was like one of the the themes, right? Whoa! And then so he like kind of reads this thing, guys. They they, you know, they should give that. This in is there. like a whole other section of the keynote where he's like, guys, he brings you in close, like a DJ. Yeah. He's like, guys, one of the things I've been thinking about is that you want it all. And now I want to have the house band play us a little inspiration. And then it goes to the house band, right? And, and they then play, they play like Raspberry Beret or something? And it just looks weird, right? It's just like a weird thing. And like, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure this guy. And then it comes back to it. He's like, and then he thanks the band. And then he takes off again. He goes right back into like hardcore fire hose. And now let me explain to you like Glacier. And now let me explain to you. That, and he just goes boom, 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 boom. And then so so there's this point where you're just like, wow, this guy, I, the meetings with, with him must be incredible. Like I think, I mean, just sent the, the amount of information he synthesizes and then repeats is, is, is honestly it's startling. It's, it's really mm. impressive. Um, and it is, you know, it's a totally different, it's a totally unique keynote. I don't see anyone else come out and talk at this level, at his, at his uh, executive level. Somebody said there's a guy from Microsoft that does it, uh, who wears a red uh, shirt. Yeah, Scott uh, yeah. And I don't, I haven't seen him, so maybe he does just to get his job. But I was like, wow, this is just, it's impressive. It's just totally yeah. unique. It's like the anti-Apple keynote, right? It's like, we're not going to here to tell you stories. We're not here to, like, you know, we're just going to give you everything you need. I think you need to know. So it's, it's crazy. Well, but there's also... 
Uh, I mean, unless things have changed, there's not a lot of live demos. I mean, you know, there's mostly talking and, you know, slides and talking and talking, right? Um, You know, for good or bad, I mean, that... As we started recording today, I I realized, like, I thought they were done, right? And all the Lambda stuff is still rolling out, right? So they're, you know, there's too many, too much announcements. You know, they need to break this thing up quite a bit because there's just too much to digest as an outside observer. Um, But, you know, maybe that's why uh, 60,000 people show up. Mm. So so what are, what are, what are, what do we got going on? We got a private cloud thing? You can tell I've done some extensive research. (laughs) What, uh, let's, let's. Let's start with that one. I, I like am, how Kote, like you've moved to Europe. You're like, does this even? Is there even a conference going on? Like, yeah. who's even involved in this? Yeah, I'll wait for the Luxembourg summit to get my my catch up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, it, it is well. I mean, there, there is like in my mind, right? Like the first the first question. Well, maybe we, you know, uh, we'll we'll go back up to the abstract. Is like, is is like how how is that how is this even possible? <laughs> right like like i i i have followed the it industry for some time now and uh i don't know i guess microsoft has has like an endless amount of stuff so sure but it, but it you know to put it another way like maybe maybe because you don't have to like write an installer for aix you can spend that time writing all this other stuff like oh jeez. or or, yeah. or do they just have like like 50,000 people employed or, well, they, or what? They do have 50,000 people employed. <laughs> or, I mean, well, well I, yeah. they would have to be developers, not just like the entire operation, but which could be the case. But then, but then also like the other thing is like, well, I mean, like, is it that hard to make an SFTP service? Right? Like, so maybe the, like it's, it's our the summit pizza team, right? You know, it's, it's a two pizza team that, uh-huh. you know, so, so looking through our, our write up, uh, we've got forty plus announcements, mm-hmm. um, but then there's also and, all the existing stuff. But but yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, forty plus announcements of things that you know were given at least a blog post each, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And, and and assume you know that's eighty some pizzas, and you know so and, and a lot of these announcements are bigger than others. Um, but yeah, it's I but I feel kind so of so this is one. After you like watch so many announcements, you almost literally you have to come up with your own like way of like making sense of it all. So this this is how I sort of rationalize how Amazon seems to approach all of this. It's like everything is really delivered in three versions, right? Mm-hmm. It's like whatever they do is they first start with like, okay, there's something new we want to do. And they go to the bottom level, right? It's like the building blocks level, right? It's like, okay. If you like want and to start with EC2, it's like you need servers. Fine, we'll just give you servers, and that's sort of like the lowest level building block, right? And they did the mm-hmm. same thing with machine learning. Like, if you're an expert in machine learning, great. Here's how you write all of your models, and we support, you know, pretty, and we give you all these GPUs, right? That we've we've even optimized the GPUs so that instead of using 60 percent, 90 percent. So obviously, a very few people are going to work at this level. But like everything they start with is like, okay, we did the building blocks, we'll give it to you. And then the next the next set of slides, right? The next kind of transition is like, okay, that may be too complicated for a lot of you, which is like 99% of us. The next level is like, we'll give you the managed service version of this, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, you don't have to actually install it. We'll make it a little bit simpler, but you really get to get in there and customize how, how it's going to work, right? So you kind of think of like managed containers, right? You know, and then 
Um, and then the third version is them kind of, if you will, giving you a specific service or a SaaS basing. They did this a lot with the machine learning stuff. It's like, hey, here's how you can use the, uh, the text-based machine learning algorithm, but you don't need to know anything. You just put in the text, and we have this model already built for you. So that's sort of, if you will, accessible to almost anyone that, that wants to use it, right? And I think that seems to be what they do in each area. It's just like as they present it, it kind of comes out as this massive list rather yeah, than being yeah. being like a guided tour. It's like, here are the building blocks. I'm only going to talk about it so you know it's here, and you'll know if you're somebody that needs to care about this. But for most of you, managed service or like even the higher level, the SaaS base kind of like service level is where you want to be. But they don't really say that. They don't give you any way. To, like you have to clue into that yourself. I see. Um, well, that, 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 that seems that, to be how I think of it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I mean one, you got the uh... – you got the Russian doll thing. I mean, you follow the old, uh, you know, to throw out all the tropes. You got your your pizzas, and then you got your uh, every layer has an API or your fired thing. Uh, so everything kind of is its own building block internally. So you can sell those and speak of them as their own product. And then you know the the uh, machine learning stuff is a good example, right? Like like there's this thing to like extract text from a document. Like that's a whole thing on its own. So. I mean, I guess I guess I am saying this, but a lot of the some of these things can be just sort of minor products that build on top of existing things. And I guess that's also one of the things you get if you're uh, selling things in a cloud way on a per use like basis is you don't you don't need to make a product that's big enough to justify like, you know, a fifty thousand two million dollar price tag. Right. Like it can just be like a feature or a little thing that uses the existing stuff now. I'm sure there's plenty of other things that are not like uh, minor things, but it does it does result in a uh, uh, a lot of features on there. Like you know, like the uh, the thrilling identity and access management things you worked on, Brandon. Right? Like yes. you could probably come up with like sixty sub products, so to speak, in each of those. That you know, like, and now it's uh, it's it's identity socks compliance, and now it's identity <laughs> GDPR compliance, and right. now it's you know. LDAP integration, like each of these things could be an independent uh, bit on their own. Well, and, and, you know, there was a slide that you posted uh, from, from Twitter, Cote, about uh, the serverless as an operational construct. And, and really, that's how you know what the roadmap is, right? It, with the, the primitives they're opening up today, you know, are next year going to have a serverless option. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, sure, you know, you've got this. Uh, today we're offering you this you know, machine learning EC2 image, and you know what? Next year it's going to be a machine learning service optimized for that CPU, and all you got to do is put your code on it. Mm. Right? Well, that, and, this and, you know, th- this is a good point to say. All right, so ha- has serverless been yet again redefined? What does it mean now? As of uh, Thursday, November twenty ninth, ten forty five p.m. <laughs> Amsterdam time. What? Uh, what is y'all's understanding of what serverless means now, given recent events? <laughs> uh, everything is a build your own SaaS. Mm, build your own. Okay, okay. Building blocks for a SaaS. Okay. Yeah, but but as opposed to, you know, the the previous, you know, what most people think about SaaSs are, you know, oh, I go to them and I get this set of functionality. Yeah. yeah. And now we're getting a. a you know, a SaaS platform where, you know, oh, I come here and I get, you know, machine learning as a service, but I can upload, you know, my my logic to it. So how is that that different from Heroku, right? 
Mm. Or, you know, or not Heroku, but, you know, Salesforce or something where you're uploading your business logic into their SaaS and getting out your results. So we're way beyond just like run me a chunk of code and wire it up to maybe a persistent store and then charge uh, oh, yeah, you a little bit yeah. for it. The, none of this function as a service business. That's that's, well, that's somewhere lost in the rainbow. That, that's the, the most generic use case, right? right? And now they've already, you know, here we are still trying to digest, you know, serverless and, and they've moved on to, yeah, well, you're going to need serverless, you know, here are a dozen serverless database types you're going to need. Here are mm. a dozen, you know, machine learning and AI things you're going to need. Here are, well, the Lambda stuff is ridiculous. You know, oh, you, you like programming languages? Well, now we do all of them. Right, right, right. right. But, but then, yeah. like, what is, what is uh, what's an example of what you're talking <laughs> about? Like, because when you say that, what I think of is, is uh, you know, you can go to your ServiceNow instance and you can, like, customize a workflow. You can put your code in their system that results in different screens that manipulate stuff. And uh, I think they call that software. Uh, and so, like, yeah. and you don't have to manage the uh, the hardware, and you don't have to manage this. Like, you just take your code and you stick it in in their thing, and uh, boom, you got some like workflow to torment people with. And so, like, like is that serverless? Yes. <laughs> all right. Now we're cooking. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I see well, why Simon well, Wardley was all about serverless changing the world because it's yeah. like it's like it's like everything. It's just like yeah, it is. It is. So 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 coming back to like what you know, old school folks like like us know. It's like let's think about the Java model, right? Mm-hmm. You got your your JE stuff. You've got you know your auth. You've got some service catalog. You've got some database connections, and like all those things that you used to think about as you know, oh well, I'm just going to hook into this you know this API that gives me my you know I'm going to hook into JDBC and now all my database stuff's abstracted. Well, now that's a service that you mm. can use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now it's just like I hook into the database service. I hook into my auth service, my authentication service. I hook into my queue service. I hook into my, you know, discovery DNS service. Yeah. I, you, know, yeah. you know, all those, you know, JNDI and, you know, all those things that used to be, you know, Java primitives are now SaaS offerings. Well, so, okay, or, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll cut off my, stuff. you know, the problem, the problem with reading reviews about yourself is, is people's position of you sticks in your mind. So, I'll, I'll cut off my Columbo-esque interrogation here and talk about my <laughs> wife's pot roast instead or whatever. But like, so I, it sounds like a characteristic of this week's definition of serverless is that you, that, that, and let's see, you can have, you can request that the service uh, gives you access to other services, whether that's your persistent store or your database or whatever. So part of what you're doing with serverless is, you have a chunk of code, and you're also going to have, it's probably a YAML file. You're going to have a YAML file that says, I need the following services. I need to log into the following services that have the following characteristics. Like, here's a database I need you to give this chunk of code access to, and here's the credentials it's going to use. And then I'm going to execute, I'm going to hook up to that database, pull out the data I need, execute my chunk of code, stick it back into the database, because we no longer have PLSQL or anything. And and you can imagine that over all these different services. So I might have like uh, some machine learning thing that like drives a little car around and you're like, I want to stick a little piece of code on that on that car 
and that car needs to give me a service that tells me the uh, kind of like what it's sensing in front of it, and I'm going to execute my little piece of code and then maybe write something back. And then that's that's kind of the idea of like serverless nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So so the the code that you write is just glue is your business logic between services provided by the platform. Got it. Well, even that metaphor is a little perilous. I mean, I just, it's just I got a piece of code and you're going to like give me a connection to another service one or more other services because i guess if you didn't have a connection to any other services it's like if if a, a piece of serverless code executes with no service did it really execute it's like your classic like tree fun. so you probably need one plus you'll, you'll get the bill for it oh there, there you go so it did execute there's a record of it so so you need uh, let, let, let me rephrase it if you're not stupid uh a, a, a serverless operation needs one plus in services hooked up to it that you do something with right uh if only if only a callback that tells the person who sent the code in what happened right but then that would be a service on its own more or less and i do think if you change the word here i mean i think in this case serverless as we've talked about many times sort of like it distracts you if you just sort of call it functions right and just say the end goal of what's really trying to happen here is this case, AWS, but other companies trying to do is we want to minimize the amount of code and configuration you have to do such that all you're really left with is your business logic. And if you can write your business logic as simple as possible in a function and you kind of agree to these constraints, right, in this way that ultimately that's going to be a better business outcome for you, right? You're going to have to maintain less, easier to write, and you're going to spend your time focused on it. So that's really the North star, right. Of, of what's going on here. And then now, you know, every year it gets a little bit closer to that. And obviously there are constraints that, so not everything works, but that, that, that to me is sort of, and that's kind of comes back to that three tiered approach. I was talking about Amazon. It's always like building blocks, managed service. And then, Hey, can we just do it for you? Right. And I think this functions is that last thing. It's like, we can't write your business logic. We know we can't do that. But how much of everything else could we possibly do? And every year you see them get a little further along that path. Yeah, you know, you know I, I, I bike around a lot nowadays and I go, I go to the center of the city. So maybe like, you know, when I'm around all the tourists, some of the, uh, the, uh, the spare, you know, smoke I'm inhaling accidentally. But speaking of North Stars, I was, I was thinking the other day, what if, what if like, you know, you thought about geography like upside down? Like that would be crazy. And really there's no reason not to. Like there's no like true north in space. We just decided that like the North Pole is north, but you could totally orient the world uh, the other way. So I think wouldn't it be uh, the correct – I probably should have used what? Isn't it Lodestar then? Isn't that – because that's directionless? Isn't that just saying – you know, just is that the philosopher's stone? I I, 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 I don't track. know. I think it just means the, a star that guides you. That is not. Uh, I guess mm. that doesn't discriminate against the southern hemisphere. Oh, hey, yeah. that's right. Yeah. We want to be sensitive. We don't want to have like uh, like compass microaggressions. That's that's no good. <laughs> well, uh, you know, let, let's get to the thing I keep pointing to, which I think I think is uh, <laughs> is, is interesting. So, what is what is this private cloud thing? I think you have probably studied this extensively, Brandon. What's going on there? Yeah, so I mean, for this for years. That's right. That's uh, 
that's right. If you're if you just keep predicting the same thing, eventually it comes around. So Amazon Outpost. So this is you know them essentially shipping you racks of servers, right? That you can, uh, if you will, ins- uh, deploy anywhere, and they'll come install them for you if you want. But they, you know, as uh, as Jassy says, and I take his word. He's like, hey, you just plug it in. So it's like, sounds good to me, man. Uh, you plug it in, and then you've got the option, really two options. You can either kind of hook it up, and it really essentially becomes you know, if you will, like your AWS environment. So you get access to uh, the various AWS services. Now, the one thing I've not clarified and I, I need to go back through is exactly which services and what you can do. Cause that, that part seemed, there's a point where like the strategist got a little light. It was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, like you get everything or you not, but you clearly get a lot of functionality. But the other thing, and I think, um, Matt, this calls back to maybe one of your older, other jobs that chef was like, they are really in partnership with VMware. I mean, I know that's not new, oh, yeah. but they also, when they announced this, they actually brought the VMware CEO on stage. So in addition to just getting, if you will, generic AWS, you can also configure this rack to be managed through, I guess they call it a AWS for VMware, right? And essentially the way they portrayed it was you can just use all your existing VMware tools yeah. uh, as they exist today and manage it that way. So this is clearly like, so when I talked to some people at Amazon years ago, and they were they were kind of like their question, the thing they always wanted to like ask people was like, what would you do if you went to a customer and they said, we're never going to like move this into the data center, right? That was sort of their constant question. Like, cause remember, I guess the reason, you know, I, I, I guess why I started making this prediction is like the Amazon people for a long time were very militant about like, it's only a cloud if it's off premise, right? They used to be in like, I used to be in presentations where they, they would correct people. They'd be like, that's not yeah. a cloud. If you mentioned on premise, they would like stop you. And literally they'd be like, that's not right. You, what you said is wrong. And you're like, no, I can use this word. I'm familiar with English. And they just, you know, they wouldn't, you know, but there was just this mantra like, no, 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 that's not what it is. So, so it's like, well, of course, eventually if you're going to go to these big customers, right. And I think clearly Amazon has gotten this message that, we're never, and when I talk about where, we're talking about like large financial institutions, maybe the Fortune 500, they've just told them certain workloads are off limits. They will not move for a number of reasons. And so the, the answer then, right, is now obviously they've, they've come around and said, okay, we'll let, go ahead and put this rack of servers in, and will that make you feel better? And so that's clearly, you know, as they kind of keep growing this, they, they finally did the calculus that like, yeah, we can afford it and, you know, we cannot convince these customers to move it. So that's why, you know, they even used, I think Jesse even used the phrase hybrid cloud. That's, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's been used by other Amazon people, but for a long time, as short as they maybe three it, years yeah. ago, they wouldn't even talk about that. They wouldn't, yeah, they would sort right. of be very dismissive of it. So, but the VMware, and I don't know, Matt, if you've got more to say on it, but the VMware stuff it was clearly like they get that uh, there's a ton of workloads in VMware that they want in their cloud. And in this case, they have, I don't know what kind of deal behind the scenes is going on, but I mean, other than like buying VMware, which I know is like, would, would be like a whole nother discussion. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably can't happen for lots of reasons, but, but like, I can't imagine them being stronger partners and they clearly VMware's thought feels like, you know, maybe it's like the enemy of the enemy or is my friend or something happening there, but clearly they, they both see a a huge benefit in the the partnership because they took a ton of shots at Oracle, right? I mean, that was just every other thing with that but with when it comes to vmware it's like no 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 if you want vmware they're going to be here uh forever which i think is just a sign of where they've acknowledged that's where the business is today mm. yeah you know I, I i was reading uh i i read these two bullet points first of all there's this blog post by the strategist uh, it's got it's got some exciting uh stuff going on to be all like close reading one 
doesn't use bullet points uses lowercase o's for a bullet point which which um yeah i think that's cool uh and then two only two bullet points not three bold uh but i was i was reading it and and like so basically the first bullet point is like you can get an outpost that will run vmware cloud locally uh, and and it'll deliver the SDDC, the big old VMware thing, and then and then the next one is like on the other hand, for customers who prefer, you also get a VMware cloud. Like I think yeah. it all runs VMware cloud, right? Which is and and it, it runs NSX underneath there, and it's like the VMware stack on some racks with, I guess I mean I guess it's kind of like uh, what what Pivotal Cloud Foundry would do, right? Where you have you've got like an entire platform running on top of, of the VMware stack. And, and to your point, Brandon, you know, I'm, there's, oh, to, to maintain sanity's sake, there's probably an asterisk next to entire, which specifies what entire actually is. But, uh, but yeah, and, and I, I, I think I read this close enough. The intention isn't just like uh, moving things to the public cloud, right? It's just like, eh, I just want to run it like on my own thing, on an outpost. Uh, which I don't know—is that accurate? You're running a VMware stack with some layer yeah. of AWS no, I think on it's, top. Yeah. I think it's well, accurate. You can the have thing, it either way. Yeah, you can have it both ways. And I think the thing they don't say—it's—it's because it's, I think the Google announcements did the same thing, right? Is like they will come up with these use cases, and Jassy said this multiple times. It's like certain workloads just have to be there because of like latency, right? And they, they'll come up with like high frequency trading and uh, manufacturing, but like, <laughs> I mean. I think the more honest thing is just like, hey, this is part of a cultural transition. Like that's really to right. me, like, what's going on. It's like, and you know, I was trying to think of like an, an analogy that would maybe hit home with at least with me or other audience members was like, like I, you know, because I lived through like once I bought CDs, I ripped the CDs to a hard drive, then I bought MP3s. But now there's actually these services which many of us are subscribed to that I just get all the music. But you know what? I still have this huge music library that I like have on my my computer and on my phone and it's totally unnecessary but like mm. I I don't delete it like I just like I don't know I feel like somehow invested in it but like I know my children and you know younger people that didn't go through this process like they're just never going to have all this music and they would they wouldn't even bother storing it if they did yeah. and I think that's sort of like this thing like this is just a transitional phase and I don't know who knows where it will go but like and I think that's like the fundamental thing that that this this whole initiative is really kind of getting yeah. at is like people need to put this stuff and see the servers physically and maybe it's all the same but like they need to get used to it and then eventually they may just say get rid of them right yeah. or it may just phase out over time yeah and, well, and now looking at it again there is there is a passage that uh, contradicts what I was saying it's, it says the ability to use AWS Outpost to have your data and applications located locally to satisfy any local residency requirements yeah. allows you to continue your migrations and the upskilling of your technical resources. And I think by that, they mean people and still have a consistent API or VMware experience. And then, yeah. and then there's this curious sentence I like afterwards. So period while consistently satisfying these requirements locally. I mean, you know, that's that locally, locally. Locally, Are you interested in local things? Thing. But yeah, no, that, that's that's fascinating for local requirements. I do wonder. The other thing that came out in my mind was like, you know, this is a way for um, I can't remember how many uh, zones they have availability zones, but I mean, clearly uh, that's the other thing. Brandon, it says right here, fifty-seven <laughs> within nineteen go. geographic regions. Wow. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I was about to say nineteen. Oh, anyway. Also, but, you know, hold on, is, hold on. Also, uh, they've announced fifteen more availability oh zones. Well, and maybe, five more AWS regions. 
Yeah, well, this definitely opens up the thing if if, if you're not in. Um, I just wondered if there's a business to be like, hey, you know, uh, we'll create like wherever they're not creating an availability zone. Like, could somebody else be like, hey, we're we'll do it. Just we're gonna order all the yeah all the racks and put them down here oh, and yeah. just sort of like there's, there's you know, always North Korea. <laughs> well, there is going to be some kind uh, I was of uh, say like Cambodia, but sure. Yeah, but there's going to be somewhere. There's going to be some country somewhere where they're like, Amazon's never coming here, but we'll do it. You know, we'll order all the racks, and 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 that either makes it easier for them to use it for some reason, or it just gives them lo- local compliance yeah. for whatever reason. And and did they, yeah. did they cover like like pricing or anything? Like, is it is it metered somehow, or what? Uh, what's up? With that, that was a lot of hand waving. I think because yeah, I think it delivered. Yeah. I mean, this is. I think you made a. I don't know if you were alluding to this, Cote, but like, I don't think it actually ships till second half of 2019. Oh, so there's a little bit of like, no. you know, there's probably the pain is not dry on this yet. So I, um, I hope, you know, I've noticed that the stressing uh, phraseology for pricing, I've seen this several times recently, which is, oh, how does the phrasing go? It's something like, uh, which charges a reasonable entry level rate. Like I, I've seen that <laughs> pop up several times. It's like, or even worse, it'll be like, at the at the entry level has a price has pricing you would expect. <laughs> well, it will be interesting on the uh, on this because obviously there's the upfront investment of the hardware, which is mm. you, know, you can't get around that. Right. But everything there was across most uh, of all the announcements when they talked about pricing, they often use something like. And we now offer the ability to basically price based on usage. So you don't have to uh, – clearly this seems like a, a response to like I don't know what I'm going to buy. Like I'm not sure what I'm going to actually mm. use. So mo- like the database, they had a, an announcement of like you don't have to know anything about the database. They'll just essentially charge you based on what you use. Um, and that seemed to be a constant theme throughout was like, hey, you don't – if you don't know what you need to provision, that's okay, right? Like yeah. we will just keep track of it. And they, they acknowledged that like, yeah. Yeah, it'll cost you a little bit more, but you know, if you don't do anything, it doesn't cost you anything, right? So it's kind of like this, like this idea of like, well, I could be a billion dollar company, or my website may get zero hits. Well, then start this way, right? And then if you get to the point that you want some dedicated uh, provisioning, and that that will be more cost effective. Mm. So that seemed to be a con. I, I would assume they've just gotten a lot of feedback around. We don't want to provision and have to know what we want to pay until it's run for a while. It's kind of how I read and, that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and- and can't you ease into the, the the VMware side of it with you know your existing VMware stuff? So you 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 know you're not going to buy the AWS on-prem. You don't have to. You can go with the AWS version of it because there's there's this two flavors where you can get the you know AWS cloud on v, on or the VMware cloud on AWS or you can get the AWS on your VMware. Yeah. And you don't have to buy anything to do the the VMware on AWS. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. I you know I I took this as like when you that is sort of like if you don't know if you need the VMware stuff then you don't you're not getting that. You know like you either yeah. are in the crowd and you're like oh man finally we can figure out some way to get all this VMware stuff and Amazon stuff to work and that either like resonated with you or you just it's not important to you, right? You're like, I don't know. We don't. Do we have VMware? Someone's like, Yeah, we'll just do the other thing. That's, that's <laughs> do we my, have VMware? Uh, yeah, are like if you're that kind of person, are, are we the 500th company? <laughs> yeah, like because you knew. Exactly. Like, I guess because there was because the because uh, there was a whole set of announcements around kind of around blockchain, and I thought the blockchain was awesome too because I thought this was. I give Jassy a lot of credit. He basically said. Oh, yeah. Most of you, he's like, we didn't announce blockchain last year. He, I'm going to paraphrase. He's 
gonna said something like, we didn't announce blockchain last year because we couldn't figure out why anyone would do it. That's essentially what he said. And then he said, well, this year we learned that there are really people that, what do they need? They really just need a shared ledger. Well, you know, we can provide that for you in a really simple way. And this is where they announced Amazon Quantum Ledger Database, which just means like the all the parties agree to use the same ledger. It's fully yeah. managed and it's not on oh. blockchain, which means it's super fast. It's easy to use. And, you know, I think, and, and he didn't say this either, but you can just see it in his eyes. He's like, most of you who think you think you need blockchain, you really need this, and it will be much easier for you. Yeah. Then yeah, he followed and, up. Go ahead. Well, and and you know they're like, we'll call it blockchain, but if you look at the announcements, they put the Amazon Quantum Ledgers under the databases. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, I mean, right. So that's, like, he basically okay, okay. said that, right? He's like, you just yeah. need a database. And then the the final part of this was like kind of like the the, the other side is like, and then he's like. Again, he didn't say this, but it's like, if you are such the person that you believe that you really actually need blockchain, <laughs> then we have, what did we offer you? We offer you an Amazon managed blockchain service. And it's like, here, you can, you. it's sort of like, it's like yeah. your kids. Fine. Here's the iPad. Go play yeah. away and, and go, go over there and come back to me in 10 minutes when you figure out you can't make it work. Right. I'm trying right, to explain right. to you what to do, but go learn for yourself and then come back to Amazon uh, quantum yeah. ledger database. I mean, he, he should have just come out and say, and by the way, Amazon's not buying any Bitcoin startups. <laughs> well, that for sure. That was true. But that was refreshing. I was just like, I, I was eating that up. I was like, hey, I mean, this guy is probably impossible to work for. And he's probably like grind you into like tears on a daily basis. But I was like, man, he gets this space. So, so, totally now, so now, now a blockchain thing, the ledger. <laughs> Just because this, this concept of having it, it's basically just like, I've got I've got two parties uh, that that have made an agreement, and then I've got a third party that verifies that agreement, right? Yep. And and I got some math that makes it infallible. But then the flaw in that is like, well, well, who's the third party? Or right, like, exactly. And, and where exactly. where does this thing run? Like, how do you have right. to have a centralized so centralized thing? So basically, they're saying we will run your blockchain, yes. and yeah. then and then not only that, I you know through whatever database voodoo you don't even need to know blockchain stuff we'll just give multiple people access to a database and they can just write a record in there that says oh we both agree to that and then we do all the magic or something like that okay great yeah so now you got a ledger problem so if everybody that's it if everyone agrees that like we it's okay we can allow amazon we trust them to be the ledger right and of course they talked all about like you know it's immutable it has all the things a ledger would have like okay we can all just agree that that's that we're okay with that, that's what you'll use. Mm. But if Which for is, some reason you're like, no, no, we can't trust them. We yeah. have to have this distributed trust model. Right, right. That makes and, sense. and then you'd be like, and we can trust no one. Then you would say like, we're going to sign up for the blockchain yeah, it's, it's, managed it's, service. It's like well, a credit card it, company. It, like I, I buy something from a merchant. There's two parties and then Visa verifies right. that it actually happened and then cash gets moved by another, another uh, well, I got to pay the bill. But anyways, right. cash gets moved exactly. around. But this Simple. is this is also like the whole you know every time GitHub goes down, there the snarky comments about you know oh it's a shame to hear that your the host of your distributed source control is having a problem. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it was supposed to be distributed, but uh, Amazon hosts it for us. Yeah, yeah. You know my email used to go all down all the time on some private cloud nonsense. Just computers, am I right? They're just always... <laughs> right. Well, so here, here was my last question before I got distracted with, with blockchain stuff. And then, and then we go to recommendations and stuff. Unless y'all want to just go long 
talk more about you know we gotta go okay we gotta go next week right we have to go through the race car deep racer all right all right it's mandatory all right we'll go we'll go through that we'll go through that so what is what is it i i saw some pictures on our instagram channel did we mention we have an instagram okay yeah so yeah yeah go to software do i need to go sign up for instagram now (sighs) well you're out there now you're on it (laughs) but if you haven't seen it go to our uh, software defined talk instagram or just google AWS deep razor because this started out this I think this starts great but then it does go a little crazy so they and I have often complained about this too it was like one when they went over the artificial intelligence section uh, Jassy pretty much only called it machine learning which was fantastic because he got very specific around here are the things that you can do around machine learning and he actually walked through some really good examples about here's what it means right uh, assisted learning independent learning kind of and he walked through the whole thing that was really good and he kind of explained why amazon's what's doing there that was all really good and then SageMaker, basically some tools that actually allowed them uh, to make it easier for you to build models and easier for you to actually kind of learn about machine learning right so okay so that is all really really good and then he comes out and he says and i think this was another a very good announcement they kind of acknowledge that like hey a lot of people are probably a little confused and not had hands-on experience with machine learning right and in this idea talking about the machine learning that he was specifically talking about was around if you give something rules and then then you allow it uh to do independent learning so this is back to i think like google built that uh that algorithm what was that game was it like blue anyway it was like hey here are the rules to play um this specific game right i can't it wasn't chess like, but it like was the other game Go. Yeah, go. That was the go thing, right? It's like yeah. here. So he basically said, get, taught the the uh, the algorithm. Like, here's how you play Go, and then it went out and played like a million games of Go, right? Probably more, and it got really, really good, right? So, so what they did then was like, hey, people don't have hands-on experience. So what they came out and said was like, we built this, if you will, this car, and it's basically like a remote-controlled car. It looks like a remote-controlled yep. car, and yep. it's about the size of a shoebox, and it's called Deep Racer. And so what you can do is you can essentially, I guess, teach it rules to like drive around a track. Okay, that's sort of what you're going to do. And you can first simulate it. So you can get on there. I guess you can write your rules. Uh, and then you can simulate it in a track. And then they'll sell you the car. So you can actually physically buy one yeah, of these things. Pre- pre-order for it. It's, it's, it's already 249 right? It was like 249 <laughs> It was like classic <laughs> Amazon. They're making up their list price. Yeah. It was incredible because they're like three ninety nine, <laughs> like, But for today only, 249 You're like, yeah. okay. So like, go to our so this is shop. all. This is all great, right? So then Jassy, then it's sort of like, then it starts to get a little awkward. Then Jassy's like, you know, we gave everybody these cars and we kind of noticed some stuff and he kind of jokes around a little bit. People are just playing games with it. But he's like, we noticed there was some competitions that started to come out. So, and the people are basically racing the cars. So then he announces the first AWS Deep Racer League, upon which everyone can essentially train up their models, buy these cars, and then I guess they started yesterday in Vegas. They started 30 minutes after. So I was like, who's, who was who ready 30 minutes after? Obviously, they cheated if they already did. But they, they started having races somewhere in Las Vegas where you could essentially upload your models or your, if you will, your, yeah, I guess your model onto one of the deep racers and they would begin racing. And they're going to have like legitimate races, I guess, for the next yeah, year. Yeah. And there's going to be, there's actually like a league, like it's an F1 kind of league for just like, for this and so uh so yeah so i think at the end of the year they're gonna have like some big race and people are gonna be flown out and they're gonna have some kind of thing and i i will say it was like uh 
it, it was uh, so I was immediately like, we have to have a software defined talk. Uh, do you brace your car? I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know who's going to write the models, but uh, I'm just throwing it out there. If somebody's good. Uh, like maybe we're I want if nothing else, I want to sponsor it. Like I want to buy I want a software defined talk you, sticker yeah. on the car that's racing. So if you oh, are qualifying, uh, I, I want to be the first to do this. Right. Because, like, hey, if he's the first to announce the league, I want to be the first sponsor in somehow. If you have one of these cars that's won a couple of races, let me know and see if we can work out a deal to get some software defined talk stickers on yeah. that thing so, I, I think i think our, our model should just drive the car into a wall so the driver can go take a nap <laughs> that may be what it is, it is. so uh i don't know find, find I, the I nearest wall accelerate i haven't seen anything but i'm sure on instagram and others there must be a ton of videos so uh so i don't know i have no idea how it's gonna go but yeah we, it was we, really we funny need to, to watch it we got to sponsor a deep racer i i guess you could, would like buy the car and two spare ones and then um then that's it. We're ready a, to go. Put a sticker on there. Yep, yep. That sounds. And then, and then we just have to get some uh, some aviator ray bands and stand seriously from a high place and watch it as as it goes around the track. Done. I, think, I can do that as well. It'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well. Here, I mean, you know, to to we, we'll see if we can keep this topic short. Here, here was here was my my question. Right now, other than the answer of everything, which I guess might be an answer. You know, so so AWS starts off low level infrastructure. Now they got all this higher level stuff and even racing cars, and uh, I don't know things that are like uh, they. I don't. I guess they're still not like applications unless you count like virtual desktops as applications. But like what? Uh, and and they got they got the blockchain thing, and then you got machine learning. Like what are the what are the like the the pill the tent poles of of what their portfolio is? You you know what I mean? Like is it is it what do you need for software development or is it more operation stuff or, or I don't know, like, is it just everything? Like it's very, it's the everything, uh, <laughs> it's the everything cloud, but, but then, <laughs> you know, that if, if it was just infrastructure, I would kind of say, and programming, I would say it's everything. But then I guess what I'm asking is I don't know how to think about like, like machine learning and IOT stuff nowadays, right? Like what, what is that? Is that like, is that like middleware or or what or like how do you uh, how do I stick that in a taxonomy? Because it's like not a database; it's like a specialization okay. of well, something. Well, in um, Amazon parlance, the other thing is there there really aren't developers or architects. There's just builders. That's what they keep builders. using. It's the only company that uses this, and because they kind of use it to like encompass what you're. I think what they're hitting on is what you're trying to talk about. Is like they kind of want to cater to everybody that. Yeah. Not just people that write code, but people that build models and do everything. So I think I was like, you know, I was kind of looking at the keynote. I think the target customer, or at least, you know, there's obviously lots of different types of people that use it. But the focus to me was like, hey, I'm a like a CIO and I'm responsible for like all these projects across my company. Right. And what I want, I think what they want you to think is kind of someone in that environment is that pretty much for every project that you can conceivably have going now or will in the future, we've got something going for that, right? So they, I think that's what they want you to kind of leave with. It's like, yeah, if I buy into this platform, I have everything that I need. And then, and then my quote builders, right, um, can kind of do everything that they want. And I think <clears throat> on the development side and operations stuff, right, I think that is, if you will, pretty well understood today. And I think what they are trying to win over is that like, hey, for any type of other initiative, you should come to us first. And I think the 
the place that because we didn't go over the numbers, and obviously, you know, he gave some huge numbers, and you can tell. And at the beginning, Jassy was really specific about. He's like, we grow at 46%, and the next um, closest, and he didn't say them by name, but he said Microsoft grows at 70%, but then he gave us all little statistics lessons. He's like, but let me explain to you. Like, We make $28 billion, and if we grow at 40%, right, the other vendors like at 7 and they grow 78%, we're still growing on an absolute terms more. So that was obviously like mm-hmm. a sore point for him because he went through that. But my, I think the whole, the thing that, the scale, the reason that was important to me, I guess, was like, it kind of shows you like, like machine learning, because this was in the Slack channel, a lot of us we're talking about how you know how many people are really doing this right and it kind of came back to like it doesn't seem like when in the real world that a lot of people are but i think when you're an amazon they have a big enough customer base doing uh machine learning that it like it really makes sense to them to like own run it as a business and they're getting the knowledge right because so many people are trying it there so i think just to answer your question i think it's like that's kind of an advantage of scale. It's like they're starting to see pockets of customers that I don't think other cloud vendors or very many of the people see in big groups. And I think that's what allows them to kind of like use this builder terminology yeah. and start to tease out new businesses. Well, and and there was a, a, a tweet from Lydia Leong where she said, she, you know, she saw uh, contracts, first year contracts for AWS uh, accounts that were bigger than all the revenue for Azure, GCP, Oracle, and IBM combined. And that's just her, right? So it's like they're at a scale that, you know, nobody else is operating at. And because of that, you know, they can come up with this ridiculous stuff like, you know, the the, the satellite, you know, the uh, AWS, you know, ground stations. You know, who, you know, that's not even on the radar of, of their competition. Mm. Yeah, she must be looking at that Jedi contract. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big one. Well, I think the other the other part of it that we never it's hard it does, it only appears in hindsight is that because uh, someone else I think uh, uh, friends over at Cloudcast talked about this was that you know there's speculation on the Amazon the other side not the AWS side but the broader Amazon that they're going to get involved in like uh, regional sport networks and um, which would involve satellites basically you know beaming things around and yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's always kind of an interesting thing here it's like some of the stuff looks so weird and I think it's like if you don't think anybody else would need this it probably means Amazon has an initiative right they're, they're doing some because this is how they do everything right they're going to build the building blocks for satellite for themselves first because i don't know what they're going to do but they need that and then eventually they'll start to sell that and go ahead and put it out yeah. to everybody else and so and i think the same thing with a lot of these um especially the highest level machine learning algorithms the ones that you can just use it's like clearly they use a lot of uh document scanning a uh, machine learning they've yeah, already built yeah. that right and then the same thing was uh recommendations was another one. And I think person, I think maybe call it uh, personalization, right? Um, They basically, you know, he basically said, it's like, hey, we've been doing this for a long time. If you want to, you can just use our service, right? And it's like, so I think you just see this over and over. It's like both the customers that they have access to that maybe other people don't see and then their own needs sort of gives them an interesting window into the market that I don't think any other vendors Mm. have. At least it's very unique to them. Yeah, that's well, and, that's and, also an interesting like uh, uh, counter argument to the idea that like AWS should separate from Amazon. Is, is absolutely that, that yeah. probably they're so intertwined that just like the lawyers' heads would explode with like you know uh, separating those into legal entities, and then and then but technically that, they're probably in, intertwined equally well, equally and, effectively. And, <laughs> right, but that that that's the sort of interference that could 
give anyone a chance to catch up at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the, like the, the DOJ and, and Microsoft is like, they weren't slowing down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Lots going on <laughs> at AWS. But, yeah, maybe, Bevy, maybe we revisit this next week after after all the thought pieces are out. Bevy of features. Yeah. That, yeah. that, 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 w- that will be fun to see what, uh, you know, what do you make of that? Which, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's a... Uh, it's uh, that's that's why things often reduce down to numbers is I think it's impossible to make something out of it <laughs> as, oh. as I was rambling. It's just like it's I don't know. It's too big to, to make one thing out of it. But so speaking of making things out, you don't have any uh, any conferences you're going to the rest of the year. Right, Matt? That's part of that. Uh, you know, being a customer architect, I spend more time with customers and less time uh, selling. That's right. Ain't no architect in public. That's I think. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm private architect. <laughs> private. Ooh, <laughs> you got your architect private shoes CTO. or something. You well, got your field CTO. You got your private CTO. I'll, in a couple weeks, I'll on December 12th and 13th, I'll be in Toronto on the spring tour. You should you should come out there. That'll be fun. And then uh, there's a bunch of other spring spring one tours for next uh, next year already announced. You can go check out the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 157. Now, I, I, I'm assuming this is Brandon, has has uh, curated an extensive list of AWS releases, but you can also click on that link to see uh, where those conferences are. Now, I've checked, not today, but there there are a whole new slew of reviews in the various iTunes stores globally, which was a delightful discovery that uh, Brandon made. There are many other iTunes stores. Typical to being an American who knew there were other countries out there that had their own <laughs> things? It's just it's it's a it's a delightful mystery that's been unveiled. So for all those people who have uh, written reviews, one they're they're great and uh, I don't know encouraging. And uh, remember, if you uh, if if you send us an email uh, somewhere, we'll uh, we'll send a shirt to you if you tell us which one you were. I, we don't really have a blockchain mechanism for that, but you know, you'll, you'll probably be honest. We'll if if multiple people ask use the same name we will know something is up and uh, do nothing about it. <laughs> and as always, if you want stickers, just email us at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and Brandon will uh, ship you some. I think we just shipped 20 to someone uh, last week. Or I should say we got a picture of the 20 we shipped. Did we get any feedback this week, uh, Brandon? Yeah, we got a couple people. Uh, uh, Leonel? From Ireland and Jonathan from Australia both sent a note, and uh, we sent them stickers. And then, uh, as Cote mentioned, uh, we actually have reviews all over the place. So really appreciate everyone uh, reviewing it in your respective iTunes stores. And I actually know how to look at the reviews in other regions. Miracles of technology. So thanks to all, and keep it up. So yep. Well, and uh, and you know you should join us in the Slack channel. As mentioned, there was lots of discussion this week, uh, live tweeting about watching the uh, AWS keynote remotely. And we also have an Instagram channel and LinkedIn. We're trying to be uh, omni-channel so you can engage more effectively with our brand. And, uh, again, you can find those again at the uh, the show notes. So with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, I have to recommend Ticket to Ride, which is a board game. After uh, my son has just turned eight, I've lived through Monopoly life, oh, uh, many, oh. many other bad board games. But Ticket to Ride is a, a very fun game. It's a simple game where you essentially uh, try to uh, complete routes 
uh, on a map and you kind of like can block people and you get different points for different routes. So there's a great level for adults. You can, there's a uh, plenty of strategy about like, you know, are you trying to block people? Are you trying to complete your routes? Uh, so it really kind of keeps you engaged in the game. <laughs> Unlike uh, monopoly where I just can't stop looking at my phone as we're playing. So if you're looking for a fun game and I've actually, I've, I've gotten, I've mentioned some other people and they just, just as regular as, as adults, they just play it themselves. So it's kind of good. I would say probably seven, seven or older. If you're looking for like a family game that everyone can actually enjoy, uh, try Ticket to Ride. And, you know, in our international theme, uh, discovering other parts of the world, you can, we have the board for the US, but they're actually boards for pretty much every region of the world. So you can probably find uh, a board game to uh, fit your region and you can, uh, and so maybe I should start playing in Australia so I can learn some of the uh, geography over there. But check out uh, Ticket to Ride. Man, All right. so, so, you're so right about Monopoly. But oh God, go ahead. Monopoly. <laughs> uh so i'm looking at ticket to ride I, do i want the days of wonder the europe which one do you start with if i've got like a, you know a nine-year-old and 11 year old and a 15 year old uh i don't i i would just for you you first have to journey go, you have to go australia or asia i mean that's got to be i don't see in australia uh, well oh, we got to get on that what's going on yeah so, uh, Ooh, they got an underground yeah. um <laughs> well well, I like trains. <laughs> so uh, my pick, uh, my picks this week is uh, yesterday I took a train from Canberra to Sydney. I, uh, I, I had to travel down to Canberra on somewhat short notice, and it was uh, about $1,200 to fly home uh, on the same day. So I was like, you know what? It's only a four-hour train ride. I'll, I'll take the train. And it was uh, surprisingly uh, very enjoyable. Uh, and only $40. So um, my pick for the week is, uh, you know, if you're going Sydney to Canberra or Canberra to Sydney, uh, take the train. Mm. Uh, you probably don't need to do it every time. It's, you know, it's a 30-minute flight, but it's a four-hour train ride. But, uh, you know, all the time of checking into the airport and sitting in the lounge and all that stuff, that that's time-consuming too. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And uh, train, very, Trains very are nice. I, I, wish, yeah. I wish they had better frequent travel programs. I, I don't I don't know if they do. Uh, you're in Europe, man. Don't they have lots of trains and stuff there? Yeah, they, well, they, yeah, they got that. Man, they just <laughs> they got trains leaking out of everywhere. But uh, right, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a program you can get involved in. It's uh, I don't know. I should take trains more. <laughs> you're like I'm just gonna fly um, uh, or, more, or ride your bike. More relaxing. Yeah. Oh man, that would be yeah. the best. Except there's hills. <sighs> yeah, but I saw like thousands of kangaroos. It was it was kind of cool. Really? Um, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and, and what was funny is I got all excited. Uh, you know, we were getting on the train, and the train starts to move, and I look out the window, and there's kangaroo on the tracks on the other side, and I was like, "Oh, look, kangaroos!" And the person next to me was like, "Yeah, kangaroo." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like an hour later, like, "Oh my god, I think I've seen two or three hundred kangaroos." <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it was it was pretty funny, huh. uh, and I saw a wombat and some foxes, and yeah, it was fun. A wombat. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, that was that's my pick for the week. Yeah, that must that you know I'm realizing they they must only in the zoos they must have like kangaroos and wombats just for the tourists because it's like and I, I think maybe they have this in Australia but you know over here in Europe you go to the zoo and they have a raccoon and you're like what <laughs> or or you know it's like like deer in Austin right yes <sighs> yeah <laughs> you're like who let the deer into the zoo it's like when I went to a, a one of the, the the big zoo out in Dubbo, they, they the 
the kangaroos had inv- invaded the pens. Mm. Like they were like, yeah, there were uh, elephants and and uh, giraffes and kangaroos, and they're like, yeah, the kangaroos just hop over the fences and get in. We can't get them out of here. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if being a kangarooologist is fun. It's probably enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> like a deerologist. <laughs> well, my recommendation, I have two recommendations this week. Well, first of all, we've been watching uh, season two of Patriot. It's pretty good. You should check it out. I, I think uh, there's lots of good moments in there. I think this episode we just watched was, was perhaps the best. I think it's the uh, third to last episode. But my larger recommendation, uh, literally, I guess, is I got, I got a new printer. I'm almost done with this uh, book I've been working on little booklet and i like to print it out and read over it so i got a printer since we don't have one and i got the uh, i got the hp color laser jet pro m254 dw dw wow. is, is lowercase uh and and it's like i mean i i get confused about what a laser jet versus a laser printer is my my fear is that the prestige of the laser printer was impinged upon by the jets and so they just put that name on there but whatever it's it's a typical you know hp box printer it's got a touchscreen on it, which is nice, so it's easier to enter a Wi-Fi code. But, man, it works really well. It's like a great printer. All it does is print things fast, and uh, <laughs> it works. And I got, I got the A4 size paper, so I'm just I'm, you know, doing the thing in train land here. But uh, if you need to get a printer, get yourself one of those. I think, I think the uh, replacement cartridges cost half as much as the actual printer, so... You know, if you find one on sale, you might just want to buy a new printer if you run out of ink. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, find past notes, join the Slack channel, do all the other stuff we got going on, you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, and uh, it'll all be there waiting for you to fill your time when you, uh, you're being forced to play Monopoly with young people and you need something better to do. So uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.